Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across London. This story was performed by Trevor Mostyn. In September 2011. Where the theme was land or sea. I was 21 reading Arabic at Edinburgh University. It was, it was the summer of 1968. I was sent to the Foreign Office Arabic School in the little village of Shemlan, overlooking Beirut and the beautiful bay of Beirut. At the end of my six-week course at the school, which was called the Madrasa Tajassus, the spy school, because many people thought that Kim Philby had been at it. He hadn't. At the end of my course, my best friend from, from Oxford, Ollie Clark, turned up hitchhiking through Turkey and Syria. Now, the problem with Syria, which was Lebanon's big neighbor, was that the previous year it had been massively defeated by Israel, and the country was extremely unstable and dangerous. It was ruled by a pre uh, Assad man called um, Jadid, and people were being hanged publicly on the streets of Damascus. It was very, very unstable. And the problem was that although Australians, my friend was allowed to hitchhike through, the British and the Americans were forbidden to enter Syria at all because we were perceived to have supported Israel during the previous year's third Arab-Israeli war. So my friend Ollie, with his rucksack, turns up and says, let's hitchhike back to England. And I say, well, how can we? I can't go to Syria. And Ollie said, well, let's just go to the border and try. So anyway, we hitchhiked to the border. <laughs> Uh, basically, his whole argument was in the Turf Tavern in Oxford, we had all these great adventure stories and we were showing off to our girlfriends and so forth, and we had to be brave, and we had all kinds of wonderful brave stories in the past and our families and so forth. So we hitchhiked to the Lebanese border. The Lebanese, uh, it was a beautiful border post along the beach, between the two, the two border posts were along the beach, uh, and it was a lovely moonlit night that night. And the uh, Lebanese uh, customs just waved us on because they knew that I couldn't get through. So we walked along the beach to the Syrian uh, customs, and the Syrian policeman was playing cards at a card table, handed our passports. He said to Ollie Clark, my friend, you're Australian, you're allowed in Syria, you're British, you're not, you're forbidden. So eventually, Ollie and I went and sat on the beach, looking out at little fishing boats bobbing up and down the sea, and Ollie said, look, we can't, we can't back out now, we have to do it, we have to get to Turkey. <laughs> You know, remember all the promises we made in the Turf Tavern in Oxford. We always came back to this Turf Tavern in Oxford. So eventually I said to Ollie, okay, I'll do it. It's crazy because I was an Arabist. All the other Arabists there were desperate to get to Syria, but there was no way of getting there. 
But the idea was I would walk, run through the sea and, and, and evade the whole police checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> So my friend Ollie goes round. Uh, he has the Australian passport. He goes round quite legally, hopefully. I go into the sea, and there's a big searchlight uh, sweeping across the sea. So I have to wait three or four times for the searchlight in absolute terror. And eventually, when the searchlight passes, I race through the sea as fast as I can, stumbling all over the place in complete sort of paranoia. But eventually, cold and wet, arrive at the other side in Syria. I hide behind a rock, wait for about 40 minutes, shivering, uh, and then suddenly a man approaches me, actually carrying a gun on his back. It's actually Ollie with his rucksack. And they've refused to allow him through because uh, they say, where's your friend? So we both realize that our situation is very serious because, you know, they know that something's amiss and I've disappeared <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so we rush onto the road and we wave down the first truck we can see in the truck. The lorry drives us to the coastal town of Latakia. By that time, it's about midnight and we walk through Latakia, and the only sound in the streets is the clumping of our boots. Uh, and, uh, uh, and every so often, the cry of a baby from the, from, the, from the buildings of Latakia, but otherwise dead silence. And these big Syrian police motorcyclists keep roaring past us. They slow down, these, the big spherical helmets, they peer at us. Uh, and we just avoid their gaze totally. We march on, and then we start singing Waltzing Matilda. We decide that will be, uh, make life easier. <laughs> So about three or four times, these, mo these police motorcyclists roar past us, slow down, peer at us, and roar on. And I'm astonished that they haven't stopped us. I kept feeling the angel Gabriel had his hand on my shoulder because I was astonished they didn't demand our papers. Well, eventually, by about three or four o'clock in the morning, we arrived on the northern side of Latakia. The peasants were moving around. The cows were being milked. It was a lovely sort of dawn, uh, Syrian dawn. And we got another lift all the way to the uh, Syrian-Turkish border. So our journey almost seemed to be ended. Uh, and this area, the Kurdish area of forested mountains, and the, the van said, you want to go to the, the custom, the border? And he said, no, 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 we want to go up into the village yonder, up in the hills. So he drives us right up the mountainside to an Armenian village. We say goodbye. We go into the forest. We sleep till four in the afternoon, have a siesta. And then we walk through the deep, deep forest, down, down, down the mountainside until we hit the road. We see the Turkish flags behind us. We think we're safe. We're in Turkey. We then hitchhike to Latakia. Uh, we then hitchhike to Eskenderun in Turkey. We meet some French students in Eskenderun who tell us two things. One is that the previous day, a Syrian had had his leg blown off by a mine in the very area that we had crossed, or apparently the very area, and also stories about various people's spies being hanged in public in Damascus, because it was, Syria was very, very unstable at that time. Anyway, we hitchhike to Ankara, go to the British consul, he brings in the Australian consul, plus a Turkish lawyer, all sworn to secrecy, and we're told that our situation is very, very serious, because we have no entry stamp into Turkey. Uh, they advise us to uh, give ourselves up to the police. We will then get a definite six months in prison, Turkish prison. And the situation in Turkish prison is not very nice, but not unbearable. That was the expression. <laughs> <laughs> and we would also have to pay a £100 fine, plus a pauper's fee to the lawyer of £33. And we, each of us had £20 each in our pockets. Uh, the other problem was I had to do a reset at Edinburgh, my Arabic exam, and I was told I could probably do the reset in prison in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> So we came out of the, uh, it's all sworn to secrecy, we sat in the corridor and discussed. And I said, give ourselves up, surrender at once. Ollie said, for God's sake, what would they say on the turf tavern in Oxford <laughs> if we surrendered? We're so cowardly. <laughs> 
And so uh, eventually, once again, I'm persuaded by Ollie to hitchhike back through Syria to Lebanon. <laughs> and the horror begins. What starts as a sort of student jape, uh, it's a boy's own story, really becomes a bit of a nightmare, a real nightmare. Anyway, we hitchhike back. Uh, we, this is the sort of Kurdish area of eastern Turkey, which has always been a bit dangerous, it's sort of virtual civil war now, in the last 20 years. Anyway, we get there, and the first the dawn bill, we, we, we hitchhike from Antioch to Yeladag, the Armenian village, back in the forest. Uh, and the man in front of us keeps saying, Inglisi, Inglisi, and we realize he has a big pistol in his pocket. So we realize he's police. Anyway, he doesn't actually arrest us. We get to the forest, we walk into the forest, we mistake the track. I thought first turning, he thought second turning. We find ourselves going through a virtual jungle, hacking our way through this deep, deep, deep forest. And there's moonlight, increasing moonlight. And eventually, up in this forest, we come to a beautiful orchard full of lovely apples. And, the, and I suddenly see a blazing light, and I assume we're being the search, searchlight, but it actually it's, it's a big full moon all over, the, all over the orchard, looking very beautiful. So we start picking the apples, filling our bags with apples, munching them, and getting really quite happy. At that moment, there's a horrible shriek of a man, uh, and then lots of other shrieks all around us. So we fling ourselves to the ground, like I peer up, and I can see all around us there are men approaching us with guns. So uh, these guys surround us, about nine men with shotguns, and we pretend we've lost our way in Turkey. We think we're in, think we're in Turkey. We've woken up, uh, and we were going to, following morning, find our, our, our bearings. Uh, we, we start the story. Now, the, we discover various things about these men. One is that they, they, are, they speak French, because my, my local Arabic wasn't good enough. The secondly, that they were Armenians, and thirdly, that they were Roman Catholics. And we were, we were both Roman Catholics. So we got involved in the Pope, indulgences, uh, holders of obligation, all this sort of thing, in this, uh, in this uh, orchard, surrounded by the guns. And things seemed to be going our way. You know, they were, really were quite nice to us, and I, I felt eventually they might just let us go and get back to Turkey. At least we'd get back to Turkey. Well, at that moment, a uh, Syrian policeman, who clearly was not Armenian, marched in, demanding our passport, grabbed my shoulder, uh, he rushed up, grabbed my shoulder, demand, demanded us to go to the police station, uh, and then demanded Ollie's passport. It was some extraordinary reason. They kept asking for his passport, the Australian passport, but never asking for my, the illegal, wicked British passport. Anyway, we had this terrible situation with this guy ferociously demanding we go to the police station, which we knew would be maybe death. I don't know. It's only horrible, but it happened anyway. Years in prison, probably. Anyway, the fact was that I played a sort of psychological game which was to try to strengthen the Armenian b guy, his, uh, his, his kudos, and weaken that of the policeman. So I kept saying, look, we'd love to see you, but if we made a mistake, we need to go back into Turkey, go through the proper controls, and come back, and we'll have coffee with you tomorrow. We'd look forward very much to meeting you all. It'd be great fun, and so forth. Well, I think the Armenians realized that we were in deep trouble, and they were quite sympathetic, largely because we were Catholics, I think. <laughs> and the policeman was getting more and more ferocious. And suddenly, the main Armenian guy just said to me very quietly, there's a tree, just walk, walk that way. And with this ferocious policeman screaming at us, we walked to the tree. When we got to the tree, we just ran, 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 across the good through the jungle, down into the road, into Turkey. So we're back in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> the story is nearly finished, but uh, that's how it goes. It's not quite finished. So we then decided how we get legally into Turkey. So we decided to enter the Turkish customs the wrong way from Turkey uh, and uh, somehow persuade them that we've come from Syria despite the fact we weren't allowed to be in Syria in the first place. <laughs> so in the Turkish customs, we see a policeman with a machine gun. You know, in Turkey, everyone's very heavily armed, particularly in that sort of Kurdish area. 
we put our rucksacks down beside him to show that we're not frightened, go into the cafe, write postcards. My postcard said, lovely sunny day, mountains beautiful, you know, all kind of love, delicious apples and so forth. Ollie writes exactly the same postcard as me, but at the very end of his postcard, he says, love to all the family, and best of all, love to Rags. Well, Rags was his very smelly spaniel dog, and his mother had said to him, any danger, the code word is rags. So, anyway, at that moment, the policeman walked across towards us. So we jumped up, got our rucksacks, walked across. He wasn't arresting us, just going for a coffee. Walked across. <laughs> we went into the customs shed uh, and uh, handed our passports to the customs officer. Uh, and the customs man went through page after page of my passport, page after empty page of my passport. And it looked very, very grand, but he obviously wasn't looking. Brought up the stamp. Down it came. Finney. Thank you. For more stories or to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.